Hi, family, and thank you so much for joining us tonight for our Wednesday evening or our midweek Bible study. We're beginning a brand new book of the Bible. We're beginning 2 Peter tonight. Yeah, so excited about it. We just finished 1 Peter, and of course, Pastor Rick had a message to preach, and didn't he do a great job? He did. He did. I tell you, I will never forget what he said about Peter. He says Peter would answer something even if you didn't ask it. He had something to say even when he wasn't invited. And then Corey's message on grace last week, you had a number of things to say about that. Very good. Yeah. Very good. I enjoyed it very much. You know, it's interesting because I, this year, have been reading yeah. Peter, James, and John. That's been my devotionals every I'm day. sorry. I'm sorry. I said Corey. I meant Keith O'Connor. I am so sorry. Go ahead. I was trying very hard to remember what Corey <laughs> preached last night, but it must have been good. <laughs> but that's where my devotions have been, and Peter, James, and yeah. John, and that's what I've been reading, and the book of James, boy, Man. is just full, and Peter as well. Yeah. Two very different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. I love reading the book of James, and by the way, uh, Keith, uh, your mom and daddy, I hope they don't write me if they heard that because <laughs> Keith's daddy said last week he preached it better than I could have ever preached it. I think he said something like he was a better preacher than me, and I'm not going to argue with that. Keith, Keith's a good preacher and a strong preacher of the gospel. Well, tonight we want to begin, like I said, with the book of 2 Peter. It's a fascinating book, and just like 1 Peter, it is so relevant to the time that we're living in. So let's look together at 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. And now, it's important. That word slave is not like doulos that we use for household servants. This literally is the word, same Greek word for slave that would have been used of Moses or most used of David. Uh, this was someone that lock, stock, and barrel belonged to Jesus. Totally committed. Totally committed. Fully persuaded. This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. Let's say that together, precious faith. Precious, precious faith. faith. Isn't that, That's just rich. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. And may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. Would you pray for us? Sure. Father, we are so grateful that you are in Hallelujah. a God of justice and peace and a God of faith. Thank Lord, you. that you are a God who honors your word. You keep your promises. Father, I pray tonight that your word, we can just unfold. Hallelujah. We can learn. We can grow. Lord, we can Lord, hear we love your you. heart through these words of Peter. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, the purpose of Second Peter... As it is in your notes, and if you don't have the notes, you can go to the App Store on um, Apple, and you can download uh, our app. It's Woodland Mobile. Woodland Mobile, and same thing at the Android Store? I wouldn't know. <laughs> you wouldn't know. Is that true, Mark? Woodland Church, Woodland Church Mobile on the Android Store, if you use that kind of phone. Well... The purpose of 2 Peter was to strengthen and to encourage and to comfort the church. The church was, was being persecuted, but it kind of shocked them. Since we read the first, since we preached the first letter, there's been some time elapsed, and Peter is writing this message, and they're kind of surprised because they expected opposition from without. 
But they were not expecting the opposition from within the church. They were not expecting some of the things that happened. You grew up in a pastor's home. Do you, do you know what I'm referring oh, to? Oh, boy. Can I tell you some stories? <laughs> I bet you, but I won't. <laughs> I bet you could. Well, I know you can. And uh, one of the great things about talking with your dad before he passed away and went to heaven was about his grace and how he forgave some of those people and some of the things that happened. And I think that's one of the things that surprises us sometimes in the body of Christ is as Christians, we do expect criticism, we do expect testing, we do expect opposition from outside of the body of Christ. Jesus told us to expect that. But when it comes from within the body of Christ, oh, that hurts, doesn't it? It's like a, it's like a family fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I guess probably the same thing for Peter's day and I shouldn't say I guess, it, it is true. The same thing in Peter's day happens today. And that is, oh, sweetheart, so many people give their hearts to the Lord and they think from then on, everything is going to be just great. And they think everybody that shows up on Sunday morning is a Christian. That's right. And I never assume that anybody sitting in this sanctuary on a Sunday morning or if you're listening, I just never take it for granted that you're a Christian because I've had people who've told me I've been in church all my life and I prayed with them here in this altar to give their hearts to Jesus Christ. One of our students several years ago was getting ready to go to Bible college. Yeah. And they asked me, they said, what should I expect? And I said, what are you looking for? Yeah. Because you will find it all. It's yeah. all that just because it says it's a Christian college doesn't mean that everybody there is in love with Jesus. Right. You know, whatever you go looking for, you're going to find. I remember when one of our first battles that we had to face here at Woodland there were two people that just got furious with me. They were members of the church, but they had not given their hearts to Jesus Christ yet. And I just told them, I said, that invalidates your membership. And they said, well, I don't have to be a Christian to be a member of this church. And they challenged me on that. I said, well, it won't do any good to challenge me on that. Your membership is invalidated if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. I wasn't real popular with them for a while. Oh, you probably are still not. <laughs> I'm, one of them has changed their mind. They've, we've met and... Uh, as a matter of fact, we met in another city, and we had a sit-down conversation. Really good, and I'm grateful for that. Well, sometimes it just surprises us where opposition comes. But what it tells me as a pastor, what it tells me as a Christian, you know, even if I wasn't a pastor, and this is the fill-in there in your outline if you're following us, the essentials and the questions of what it means to be a human being, essentially they've not changed, sweetheart. We're still dealing with the same problems. Peter was talking about things that are very relevant, yeah. even when he used the word faith and justice right. and fairness. Right. You know, we still are dealing with those things. Right. The Bible says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. That's what Peter wrote in his first epistle to this same church, a church that was made up of Gentiles as well as Jews, and that's going to figure a lot in what we've got to say tonight. But already there were some problems brewing, and so he said, don't be surprised at the fiery trial. Well, what we looked at in the first epistle was the outside trials, the, the world's pressure. Now we're going to be looking at some of the inward trials that came upon the church as well. And I think what's really important, I'm going to have to remember to look at the camera and not look <laughs> at you so much. Um, I think what's really, really important in this passage tonight, these, just these first two verses that we look at, is that the same questions that they faced was, you know, is there a God? 
If so, how can I be right with that God? Uh, number two, how do we live with people? How do, you know, essentially the problems are still the same. We're still having wars. We're still killing one another. I mean, anger and violence has swept our nation over the unjust killing, and that's, let's just call it what it is, the unjust killing, uh, and, and, and now I understand the charges have been upgraded to second-degree murder for what happened to George Floyd in Minneapolis. But as a consequence of that, businesses have been looted and robbed. Uh, other police officers have already given their lives in trying to defend the public. There's so much happening. And so the questions of what it means to be a human being and to live together without destroying one another and the purpose of our life, the purpose of our planet, and is there a God, those are the same questions that Peter is going to address in this epistle. So it's one of the reasons that I think it's such an absolutely relevant message and a relevant book for us to spend the next few months studying together. Well, one of the things that we have to battle, and you and I, because we love to share our faith in Christ and we love to build relationships with lost people, we have to battle constantly unbelief, unbelief, and sometimes even with Christians. And I spent a significant amount of time on the phone praying with people today and some saying, Pastor, and I'm struggling with doubt or I'm struggling with pain, I'm struggling with hurt. And you can hear that doubt, is God going to be true to his word? And yes, friends, Becky and I can assure you, God is going to be true to his word. And sometimes you deal with issues where people want to believe yeah. as long as it fits into their comfort level. Yeah. But the moment that it gets uncomfortable, then they think, uh, well, that's not what God really meant or that's what God what God was saying yeah, in his word. Yeah. Today, somebody told me this was the first time they'd ever had a trial. Wow. <laughs> first time they'd ever had a trial. And so walking with them through that, and they need a miracle. As a matter of fact, I pray with three different people who need a miracle today. And can I tell you this? This has nothing to do with the message, but won't cost you anything. God is still the God of miracles. And as I was praying with them, with one particular person, it just dawned on me, I'm walking and I'm not even supposed to be able to walk because the doctor at Emory University told me I didn't have the nerves in my legs to walk with. Well, you just keep going. God is good, amen? Well, what are some of these constant battles with unbelief? Where do they come? Well, Peter addresses that in this epistle. He says there were also, excuse me, false prophets and teachers, false teachers and prophets, they undermine our faith. And I want to talk to you for a minute about that because false teachers and false prophets, they're abounding again today. Number one, they're trying to undermine credibility in the Bible. They're trying to undermine credibility in the, in the church. They're trying to undermine credibility in creation. They're just so many things because I think the enemies of faith have finally discovered after 2,000 years, you're not going to change the Bible. When the smoke is cleared away, the Bible's going to still stand. You're not going to change the gospel, and you're not going to change God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's say that together. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Bible says. So you're not going to change that. So what false teachers and false prophets are doing is they're undermining the faith of so many people by questioning the Bible, just like the devil questioned God in the Garden of Eden. You know, hath God said, God doesn't want you oh, to be this. I was about to say that. It goes yeah. back to that very first conversation, yeah. sowing doubt. Did God really yeah. say 
And if that's what he said, what did he really mean? Right. And so they undermine our faith. And so Peter is going to talk a lot about doctrine in this epistle. He's going to talk a lot about solid doctrine. But one of the things that I really want you to get tonight, although we're going to talk a lot about doctrine, and in case I don't come back to it as often as perhaps I should, it's important to remember Peter is not talking about doctrine as something that is dead. Peter is talking about the living presence of Jesus Christ in the church. He is a slave of God, and he is, wants us to be assured that God is with us. And one of the things I love about Peter is that he's not afraid to tackle the tough questions. Oh, no, no. He faces them head yeah. on and says, this is what you're dealing with, and you're going to have trials, and this is what you're going to yeah. come up against. And, you know, one of the things that I love about this book is it gives people like me hope. It gives people like me assurance. And, and let me tell you why. Peter was not the intellect that the Apostle Paul was. No. Peter was not the, the educated man that Paul was. Peter sat in a boat and fished for a living. Peter was salty. I mean, remember he said, depart from me, Lord, for I'm a wicked man. I'm a sinful man. Paul grew up being tutored and taught by the preeminent Jewish theologian Gamaliel. Paul was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was smoothed. He was polished. I love this word. He was erudite. He was, uh, he, was a, he was an intellectual giant. But Peter was none of those things. It's the difference that the anointing of the Holy Spirit makes. Peter was a different man yeah. that came out of the upper room than the one that went into oh, the upper wow. room. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's good. You see, that's why we need Pentecost. That's why we need... Jesus said, you know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Well, let's look at this passage here. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. There were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. So, friends, it's important, Peter's going to deal with this in the second chapter of this book, that we know what we believe and why we believe it, because there are false prophets and false teachers trying to undermine your faith, trying to undermine the faith of your spouse, trying to undermine the faith of your children, and if it's possible, to even undermine the faith of the elect. And the Scripture is very clear about this. When our children were growing up, we homeschooled, and every year we started our, our um, school year with creation, mm -hmm. and we went through the stories, and we talked about, and we even talked about some of yeah. the conflicts, some of the, you know, the things that were being taught, some of the different theories. We laid it all out because I didn't want them to go to college and all of a sudden hear things or hear doubts and go, wait a minute, is that, is that really what it means? Yeah. Is that, we had some tough conversations, and if you know my boys, they can come up with some good <laughs> questions. Well, one of the things that we wanted, too, was we wanted our children to be inner-directed and not peer-directed. Yeah. And I have to really give you credit for teaching, and it's one of my favorite memories of the children gathered around the table, doing their lessons, you working with them, and... Uh, it was a lot more going on than just learning how to read and yeah, write. Yeah, yeah, and help, they helped one another as well. 
Well, what do false prophets do then? False prophets, number two, they want us to question the promises of God. They want us to question. So let's say that you get a diagnosis from your doctor, and the diagnosis is dire. It could be cancer. It could be heart disease, kidney disease, any number of things. Well, the enemy will come along and try to get you to doubt and question the promises of God regarding healing. Now, it's important that I say this because I am so grateful for doctors and physicians and nurses and everybody in healthcare. Don't attack your doctor for telling you the truth. But when your doctor tells you something, and this came from a lady in our church that her sister-in-law told her this. Uh, her husband's in the hospital right now, and she told me this today. Her sister-in-law, she was going over with her sister-in-law some of the things the doctor had told her, and she said, her sister-in-law said to her, says, that's our prayer list. The doctor is telling us what we need to pray for. And I, I thought, like though, I love that, you know. So, you know, you want your doctors to be honest with you. You want your doctors to tell you the truth. That's their servants. They're there to help you in that healing process. But once you get the diagnosis, don't give up on your promises of, of faith in God. Secondly, never give up your promises about who you are. You were created in the image of God. You did not evolve from some lower life form. You are not the product of evolution. You are the product of divine creation. Don't ever let anybody rob you of the truth. Last year on our vacation, I read a one, it was a little technical, and I had to look up a lot of words. It's a little over my head as this, in, in the scientific field it was in, but it was a well-written academic book on creationism by two biblical scientists. And as I read that book and studied it, once again, over and over, the truth of the Bible stands. This is a wonderful book. Yeah. But if it stays like that yeah. on our table, on our nightstand, then when it comes to the time that we need the truth, yeah. that we need to know what <clears throat> His promises are, they're not going to come unless we're in this Word every single day. Absolutely. One of my favorite sayings that came out of the Honor Bound, that we, the Honor Bound curriculum we used to teach men here at the church, is that if your Bible is falling apart, your life is probably not. <laughs> and I love that saying. Well, Becky, read for us, if you would, Second Peter chapter 3. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Yeah. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. It's very interesting in the middle of this pandemic, yeah. all of a sudden everybody has gotten interested in, um, you know, is Jesus coming back? Is this it? Is this the end? Yes, he's coming back, but we don't know when. Someone asked me that just recently, yeah. and they said, uh, do you believe Jesus is coming back? Is this it? And I was like, yes, no, not yet, but very soon. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was as witty as you are. I love the way you can answer those statements. Well, one of the things that was happening so that we, we stay true to the passage here is that because they were just so anticipating the return of the Lord, there were mockers and critics <clears throat> who came into the church 
and they mock the promise of the second coming of the Lord. How many times have we heard that? Oh, boy. Yeah. And, you know, I believe that they fully thought the Lord would return in their lifetime. Yeah, yeah. You know, those that had been with him, those that his apostles, right. his disciples, that just like he went away, and that was in our children's ministry yeah. uh, lesson just a few weeks ago, he will come back, and I think they were expecting that. Yeah. So some people either became disillusioned mm -hmm. or never fully believed it to begin with that he would come back. And so they were sowing doubt. Well, he hasn't come yet. Yeah. So does that mean he's not coming? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, <clears throat> I think that's one of the things that Jesus prepared us for and his teaching and his preaching because we get so excited. Sometimes it reminds me of when I was a child and I knew our grandparents, my grandparents were coming. Oh, I would get so excited and I would be asking over and over, is it time yet? Is it time yet? And I can remember my folks saying, don't ask anymore. They got exasperated. You know, I just wanted them to come. And I want Jesus to come. But the fact that he hasn't come yet doesn't mean that he's not coming. Well, this leads us to the third point, And I'm having so much fun doing this with you tonight. And that is that Jesus began his gospel with the good news. Jesus began the gospel with the good news. Now, that's a little play on words because gospel actually means good news. Well, what makes the gospel good news? Well, real quickly, there are no fill-ins here, but they are in your outline. The good news includes what we're saved from. We're saved from sin. We're saved from the judgment of God. The good news includes what we're saved for. We're saved for God's glory. We're saved for heaven. We're saved for His purposes. And the good news includes how we can be saved. And we can be saved by believing in and agreeing with the truth that God loved you so much, that God cared so much for you. God became a man. God became human being. And He came and He dwelt and lived among us in order that we could be saved. That's why, if you'll let me scan back up here. Well, I just read it. I've got my Bible out here. That's why Jesus says this, I mean, why Peter writes this, as you grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, Jesus is God. And so the good news is the grace, is the grace of God to lost people. And grace is when God gives me what I don't deserve. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his forgiveness. I don't deserve you or our children or this wonderful church that I pastor. I don't deserve my health. God has given me everything that I don't deserve. And that's not because I have a poor self-image that I say that. I just know the Bible tells me I was lost in sin and that the wrath of God was going to be revealed upon sin and I had nothing good to stand upon. And until you can agree with God upon that, you can't be saved until you realize you can't save yourself, until you realize no amount of good works, and Peter's going to deal with that in this book, no amount of good works can save you. The law can't save you. You know, just knowing your Bible can't save you. Nobody knows the Bible probably better than the devil does, but knowing the Bible doesn't save you, but it's knowing that God saved us from our sin and from the wrath of God that is to come. And that was one of the things that the false teachers wanted to undermine. You know, all good people go to heaven. Boy, wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. And you talk to people sometimes, and you, you hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, 
He was, he was a grump. He was a evil person to live with, but he's in heaven now. And I'm like, uh, okay, let's talk about that. My favorite <laughs> is he's in a better place. You know, I certainly hope so. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I try to help people understand God does love them, but there has to be this confession of faith of God's grace. The good news is God's grace to lost people. Becky, would you read this quote by Robert Louis Stevenson? There is nothing but God's grace. We walk upon it, we breathe it, we live it, and we die by it. It makes the nails and the axles of the universe. Isn't that powerful? That is powerful. Again, I wish I had your wit. I wish I had a poet's tongue or a poet's pen like that. Well, let's wrap this up tonight as we get ready to study this epistle in depth with each other. But Peter gives us some solid psychological lessons here. And that's pretty big for an uneducated There we go. There's, you got it. Peter gives us some solid, I mean, Again, this is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and it's left for us as the recorded Word of God. The first thing he gives us, and all good psychologists and all good teachers know this, is that's the sanity of review, the sanity of review. And how many times when people are going through a trial, it may be a physical trial, it may be an emotional trial, it may be a, a spiritual trial, do I say to them, okay, Let's review what God says about this sickness, about this problem. Let's review what God says about your anger. Let's review what God says about our lost children. I think you see that throughout the whole book of yeah. Psalms. David keeps saying, Lord, I remember. Yeah. Lord, I called on you and you answered. Lord, I needed you and you were there. Yeah. Lord, I was, I was distressed and you were my tower. Yeah. He's constantly reminding himself of how God has responded to him yeah. in the past. I was praying with someone over the phone yesterday, and I prayed a particular passage of Scripture over them. And I said, I just want to remind you of what the Bible says. And do you know, they started crying, and they said, Pastor, I didn't know where that was at, but God laid that on my heart today. I just spoke that very thought into my mind, and they wasn't even sure it was in the Bible. <laughs> So there is solid psychology to reviewing what you believe. Remember, believe your faith and doubt your doubts. Believe your faith and doubt your doubts. Becky, will you read this next verse? Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth that you have been taught. In other words, Peter says, I am going to remind you of this. It's, even though I've told you these things, even though I've written these things to you, I need to remind you, and friends, we tend to forget. Our, our memories are like buckets. They'll leak. You know, our vision will leak, and so it's important that we remind ourselves. The second thing, then, that Peter reminds us of is what I call the sanity of focus. You are what you focus upon. If you focus upon Jesus, you're going to become more like Jesus. If you focus on the promises of God, you're going to walk in His promises. That's the reason, sweetheart, why right now I'm carrying some verses of Scripture in my Bible on my phone when I'm out for a walk, and I just read those verses over and over, and I pray them over our church, over people in our church. My sister and her husband, he's battling cancer, and the, 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 the diagnosis was dire. Remember, it was dire. I had the staff praying here for them. I asked the church in our Saturday night prayer service to pray. And the, 
they just did not give any hope at all. Our family was shook. And just recently, or two weeks ago, the doctor had given him such a good report, all the cancer is almost gone from his whole body, and the doctor says, now, he's not a Christian. As a matter of fact, he scoffed at their faith. He, he actually scoffed in their face at their faith. He told them he didn't believe it. Yeah, yeah, and, and he said the wrong thing to my little sister when he said that. But anyway, he says, he told my brother-in-law, he says, Gary, you're making me look good. And Kim piped up and says, no, we're not making you look good. God's making you look good. And God's going to get all the glory for this. Peter and Kim would have gotten along very well. Oh, they would have gotten along really good. So focus upon the promises of God. What I was going to say is they have 100 Bible verses that they walk over and pray over every single day. So you are what you begin to focus upon. In 2 Peter 1.1, look at this. What do we share? We share the same precious faith. And you ought to circle that or highlight that in your Bible or in your app tonight. We share the same precious faith. That word precious is an important word to, to remember. I'll come back to that in a minute. But if you think of something precious in your life, and, and I can't help but I always think about the little golem thing in the, the Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah, something totally different than that. Much better. But it's a precious faith that we share. Now, this is the power of focus. Look at this next verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 8. If the bugler does it, did I say that right? Bugler? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they are being called to battle? You see, if the church doesn't know why it believes what it believes, mm-hmm. and if the church compromises on its doctrine, you know, biblical, do- if, if the doctrine is not rooted in the Bible, we don't want to keep it. Matter of fact, whenever we have a question at Woodland, we always, the first thing we ask ourselves is, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? That's how we built our vision. That's how God gave us our vision. That's how we built our lives is, what does the Bible say? And I have to jump in and say, that's why you need your children here every week. Absolutely. Because we're just not playing games. Yeah. We're learning the scriptures. One of the greatest things we have at our disposal is Bible quiz, yeah. in your Bible quiz. Kids learning the Word of God and putting that in their heart <clears throat> and sewing, sewing it away yeah. for a day that when they need that, and just like you were sharing the one you talked to today, yeah. that I wasn't even sure where it came from or if it was a scripture. You put the Word in, yeah. and when it's time, God will bring that back to our memory. I don't know if you saw a post that I made on Facebook today where I just prayed that parents would be godly and teach their children so that as they're growing up from the womb all the way up, that they would know the Lord and they'd serve the Lord. And home should be the safest place to ask questions. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, Know why you believe what you believe, which means you've got to work at it. You've got to study. You don't just accept what I say, but look up these verses in context that I shared with you tonight. How will the soldiers know they're being called to battle? If I, as a pastor, if I question the Bible, the validity of the Bible, if I question the validity of the divinity of Jesus Christ, His virgin birth, His sinless life, His miracles, His death and resurrection and ascension and His return— I could just go on. If I question that, 
I don't question the doctrine of healing. I don't question the validity of spiritual. All of them, whether it's miracles or healing or, or praying in the Spirit or the interpretation of tongues, I don't question any of those. I believe those because if I'm not confident in my faith, then how will the church know which direction to go as well? And what I have learned through all these years of study and prayer and, and history just bears it out that history bears witness to the validity of the truth of the good news, the, ex the existential problems of human beings have not changed. We're still questioning who we are, what's the purpose of our life, what's the purpose of this planet, where do we come from? We're still wondering why do we kill each other? We're still wondering why there are wars. You know, we're trying to figure out how to get along. Well, the gospel answers those questions for us. And it's your, your next point that said it just right. The good news is both timeless and priceless. Yes, yes. And that's why the gospel is precious. It's a timeless truth. It will never go out of style. And it is a priceless truth. What would you give for the gospel? We couldn't. No. Nothing we have, yeah. nothing we could ever attain. That's the reason so many of these early Christians would give their lives. That's the reason why Christians today are giving their lives. It's because of the truth of the gospel. And the center of the good news is Jesus Christ. I love that song, Jesus at the center of it all. You know, that's, Jesus is the center of all we believe. Read these next two verses for me, sweetheart. Yes. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have been given a faith as precious as ours. That's from 2 Peter, verse 1. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. 1 John 1, 5. Let me say it again, friends. Until you can submit to the truth of the gospel, until you can submit your life to what God says. There is none righteous among us, no, not one. Until you can submit to the fact that, that the wages of sin, that wages are something you're paid. The life that you live in sin, the wages of that is just death and eternal destruction. But the free gift of God, that's mercy, that's grace. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Our world is dark. What's happening right now with the anger that sweeps our nation? You know, when our nephew, who our, your sister and her husband adopted a young black baby at birth, a baby is young, <laughs> but adopted a black baby at birth, and he is one of the most beloved members of our entire family. Yeah. We love him. And he, he came and lived with us because they have always worked overseas, lived with us for a year to get acclimated to live in the United States. And I used to wonder why your sister and her husband did not want him to wear a hoodie. Yeah. And because our boys wore hoodies, but then it dawned on me, and it's really come back to me during this time. As a white guy, it's difficult for me to understand what black children go through. One of the black members of our church back a few years ago, he and I were talking, we talk I was sitting on your piano stool at home when we had this conversation where he tells his children, he says, if you ever get pulled by the police, keep your hands on the steering wheel. Yes, sir, no, sir. don't move. Do whatever the police officer says to you. Don't give him any lip. 
because being black in America, and I'm not an expert on these things, and I don't mean to sound like it, but my heart's breaking because being black in America carries some risk with it. This world is dark. And in the Bible, what Jesus is saying to these Jews and Gentiles is it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. The church has real slaves in it, not just somebody who uses the word slave like Peter did in verse 1. That's why I brought that out. But there were real slaves owned by other people in the church. And Peter says, you are equally valuable. You are equally loved in the eyes of God. Everybody matters to God. And He loves you. And until you accept that truth, that you have no righteousness until you accept what God has given you, then God lifts you above this world of sin and destruction. And no matter what happens in this life, you have eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Well, we're out of time. Let me just uh, close with this one verse right here at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30, unless you've got something else you want to say. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. And if you're following me in the outline on the app, read this with me. Read it with me, honey. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the Scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Come on, victory. Isn't that powerful? You know, he's made us pure. He's made us holy. He's freed us from sin. Not because of what I've done, not because of what you've done, but we, we have a pure life, we have a free life, we live a holy life, not because of anything we have done and we are, but because of what God has made us to be. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I hope that you'll read this book over and over, Second Peter, and you'll just prepare to study it with us. It's going to be a rich, rich time together. And that's only the first two <clears throat> verses. Yeah, it gets better. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm kind of excited and pumped about this. And thank you again for helping me tonight, honey, and sharing this with me. Now, this Sunday morning, I have a timely, timeless message. I'm going to be preaching about love Sunday morning. And I want you to join me, if you would, uh, and just begin to invite your friends already because I think this is a prophetic word. And when I say that, I don't <clears throat> mean out in la-la land. God has something to say to us. And as a preacher, I try each week to be prophetic, and that is to come with what I believe the Bible says and what God has been laid up, laying upon my heart. But this week, I'm going to be preaching on the subject of love. And I hope that you'll join with us Sunday morning as we talk about God's love and our love for one another. Our theme was going to be through the Easter season, and we still used it some, was the cross equals love. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what it's going to be about. We love you so much. We're going to pray with you and then say goodnight. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for the power of the gospel to set us free from our sins. God, to make us pure and holy, as the scripture reads that we shared tonight. Father, we thank you for the power of the gospel to heal the broken and hurting relationships. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us through Christ and in Christ. And tonight we confess this precious faith that we share together has been made ours through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you bless everyone who's listened, and would you bless those that share this message tonight as well. For it's in your holy name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen.
The Lord bless you and keep you, and I'll look forward to seeing you Sunday morning.